Welcome to Leadership Works, the podcast focused on leadership in our challenging world. Now introducing your host, Dr. John Bedker, a leader, practitioner, and a scholar. It's a pleasure to have everyone on the Leadership Works podcast. I'm Dr. John Bedker, your host today for the Leadership Works podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you. Welcome to you all. Today, we're going to focus on the Catholic Church and how its leaders have lost their way. And with that, another sad truth, Catholicism not being practiced with the principles, the values, or the behaviors on which the Catholic Church was founded. Let's begin with a few definitions. What does it mean to be a Catholic? The word Catholic literally means universal. No person or group of people is to be subordinate to another. A universal church meaning all. As I said, no person or group is to be treated subordinately to another. To be Catholic means to help others, particularly those less fortunate and those in need. Catholics recognize that we all are different and are challenged to allow others to be who they are without judgment. Many of you listening today may not be Catholic or have knowledge or awareness of Catholicism. Hopefully, this brief introduction will provide a baseline of who Catholics are and what their principles, their values, and behaviors were founded upon. This Leadership Works podcast is about institutional leadership. Why leadership in institutions is so important, the role that institutional leaders are called to fulfill, and the consequences if institutional leaders fail or, in this tragic case, choose to lead an institution contrary to its founding tenets. So, once again, let's set a baseline of understanding. What's an institution? An institution is a significant organization in a society, established over a long period of time, devoted to a cause or to a program. What should we know about institutional leadership? To be an effective institutional leader, a leader needs to be firmly associated with the organization, its functions, its values, and most certainly, its beliefs. Scope will be this last component we'll take, take a moment with to complete this brief contextual framework. The Catholic Church is a large institution. The official Catholic directory, most recent numbers, show that there are more than 70 million registered Catholics in the United States. In population terms, that's around 22% of the U.S. population. According to the Vatican, there are approximately 1.2 billion Catholics globally. This equates to 50% of all Christians in the world and about 16% of the world's population. 
The Catholic Church is a very large and global institution. This episode will focus on the Catholic Church in the United States, but institutional leadership failures, unfortunately, have been persistent globally as well. Who are the institutional leaders of the Catholic Church and how is the organization set up? The Catholic Church has a strict hierarchy. A local church, known as a parish, is led by a pastor, a Catholic priest. A number of local churches, geographically associated together, are defined as a diocese. A diocese is led by a bishop. The bishop has authority over all of the churches in that particular geographic diocese. In this strict hierarchy, the local church, again known as a parish, is led by this pastor who could have the rank of father or monsignor. Those regional leaders, known as being led by a bishop, may have the rank of bishop, or they could be an archbishop or a cardinal. The overall leader of the Catholic Church is known as the Pope. The current Pope is Pope Francis I. In the United States, there are 196 dioceses, which is to say there are 196 bishops leading these many regional organizations. When the leaders of the Catholic Church in the United States meet, they meet as the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops defines the leadership organization of the Catholic Church in the United States. It is the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops that has failed. These institutional leaders have failed the institution they are to serve. To understand the institutional leadership failure of the Catholic Church in the U.S., we need to review some leadership fundamentals. Central to religion and religious belief is trust. Trust is critical to be successful in leadership. Simply stated, trust is based upon trustworthy behavior. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has violated that trust. Another leadership fundamental is the relationship that must exist between responsibility and authority. With the strict hierarchy of the Catholic Church, the strict authority must be commensurate with strict responsibility. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has repeatedly violated this leadership fundamental as well. Without functioning with trustworthy behavior or owning accountability, responsibility for their actions, the institutional failure of the Catholic Church has been, unfortunately, a foregone conclusion. It is important to substantiate the fundamental leadership failures. What I want to be, though, is clear about doing this is not 
to overstate nor understate the severity of this institutional leadership failure. It is perhaps too soft, too easy to say that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has failed the Catholic Church. Recalling what it means to be a Catholic, again, Catholic literally means universal. Well, let's just begin by looking at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is an all-male, right-wing, political organization. All-male. Well, Catholic means universal, but only males are priests or bishops. Right-wing. Well, what about other viewpoints? No. Political. The Pope has famously chastised the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to be pastors and not politicians. That's a quote from the Pope. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has resoundingly rejected the Pope in his council. They have worked assiduously to advance their right-wing political agenda. The issue of life is central to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops' political agenda. Abortion, cloning, assisted suicide, capital punishment are all in their right-wing political agenda. Catholics, again by definition, recognize the worth and value of every human life. Let me emphasize that, every human life a universal understanding. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is in stark opposition to this fundamental belief. Let me give just one example. A pregnant woman enters a hospital. For the sake of discussion, let's call it a Catholic hospital. A complication ensues, resulting in the surgeons and nurses having to make a very difficult, a gut-wrenching choice, a decision. Only one life can be saved, the life of the mother or the life of the fetus or unborn child. As a matter of medical practice and medical ethics, it is the life of the mother that is saved. Sadly, tragically, horrifically, the decision the choice is made to save the life of the mother. The fetus or unborn child is aborted. This sad and tragic decision is made in a hospital, Catholic hospitals, all hospitals across the country. It is not that any one of the medical team, the hospital, or most certainly the expected mother, is pro-abortion. Absolutely not. Catholics recognize all life, and Catholics know that sometimes, sadly, a decision, a choice, must be made. The political right, and among this group, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, would like to advance the cleverly presented argument that they are pro-life when they are not. They are 
anti-abortion. This is not pro-life. Pro-life considers all life from the Catholic point of view. It is by this perspective that Catholics are founded. In a horrific and gut-wrenching emergency, the pro-life and pro-family choice is to save the life of the mother. Catholics are pro-choice. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops are not. They are anti-abortion, not a Catholic value. Now let's go to the axiom of responsibility versus authority. The strict hierarchy of the Catholic Church gives great deference to the rank and authority of leadership in the Church. But with that comes great responsibility. Let's go to the case of pedophilia. It really should be called a pedophilia crisis. Give you some current information. As of the 31st of May 2019, information published by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops indicates that the conference had counted 7,002 clerics either, quote, not implausibly or, quote, credibly accused of sexually abusing minors in the period 1950 through June 30, 2018. Now, there are three gaps in this study in the literature. And again, that's almost purposeful and intentional in the case of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to attempt to try to suppress the data somewhat. Out of the 118,184 priests who worked in those years, the 7,002 priests accused of abusing children is about 5.9% of the total. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops report also shows that the conference has counted 20,052 victims who are known to the bishops during this period. Wow. Almost takes your breath away to just ponder what that really means. One would be too many. Over 7,000 seems incredible. And over 20,000 victims. This from the data that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has now allowed to be released. Now, some of you may recall a movie called Spotlight. Michael Keaton was one of the stars. It actually won an Academy Award, Best Picture of the Year, which exposed this pedophilia crisis in the United States. It also put pressure on the Catholic leadership to begin to share some of these numbers, however understated the data that they were giving might be. It's still quite appalling. Let's look at just one year. It's actually the most current data that's available. 
which in itself is somewhat dated, but it is the most current. What does it cost? Well, in trust, it certainly pays a high cost for allowing this to have begun, to allowing it to perpetuate, for allowing it to not be fixed. But there's also a financial cost, money that could have gone elsewhere to help those in need. The U.S. Catholic Church spent $281 million, 611000 on child sex abuse cases in the year 2019. According to the yearly audit of the Catholic Church by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, the number of allegations of child sexual abuse by clergy members skyrocketed to 4,434 between July of 2018 and the end of June 2019. Again, takes your breath away. In one year, the Catholic Church had to expend well over $281 million on child sex abuse cases. And the numbers, by their own admission, had skyrocketed to over 4,400 in that 2018-2019 period. I think it's important for us all to kind of digest that. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. There is a excellent documentarian by the name of Alex Gibney, who has done a documentary about this called Mea Maxima Culpa. But a point that he makes, I think, is important to pause and mention here. He says that we must be careful in unpicking truth from spin, but also careful not to hunt confirmation ourselves to the detriment of that truth. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops would like to tell people that there really isn't a problem, or if there is, it's minor, or it's historical, it's not current, and we're really doing just fine. Well, as the data is, I think, made clear, that is not the case at all. So. Be wareful of the spin, not looking to condemn or to whitewash, but to determine factually what is the truth. And so I'll say one last time and then move on. U.S. Catholic Church has spent in the year 2019 $281 million on child sex abuse cases and they had a skyrocketing number of allegations of 4,434 during that same time period. So what do we see? We see a church who, being very generous, has lost its way, not because of the church or its mission, but because of its leadership. In the United States, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has absolutely failed. It's failed it on the basic tenets and belief of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is universal, that we don't 
subordinate individuals or groups to another. We try to help those in need. We try to help those less fortunate. We are not out to subordinate. We are out to help. That is the primary tenet of the church, and it is in stark contrast to what the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has done. Let me conclude with a short personal story and why I thought it was so important to bring this Leadership Works podcast to you. Back in the 1980s, I began to support a uh, monastery, group of monks living together. And full disclosure, I was born and raised a Catholic. I've never had a history of any type of sexual abuse uh, from anyone in the church. I began supporting this monastery. Well, here's the story. There is a monk who was at that time a brother living in a Franciscan home out in the Midwest. This minor was abused by the superior of that home. Now the superior is the person in charge. The minor was rightly freaked out. Seeking solace, he began a relationship with another young novice at this home. They engaged in a sexual relationship, as did others. Ultimately, this got reported to the bishop. Both of these young men left that home in the Midwest, and the person I'm going to talk about then went on to change their name, which seems quite curious to me. For what reason? We'll may never know. Then they applied to seminary. Now, that's the place where you go to study to become a priest. There should be a vetting process, testing, lots of questions. It's a very serious commitment, and you really need to understand who it is that has indicated that this is the life they want to pursue. We got accepted to seminary. Graduated, was ordained a priest. Went to a diocese. Became a parish priest. Well, that was about the time that this movie Spotlight came out. And so these dioceses were now having to divulge the history of what was going on in their particular diocese. Well, this diocese did that, where this priest was assigned. And afterwards, that priest left the diocese, supposedly with no problem, but they left. There was also cross-checking going on with other dioceses. Well, on that previous diocese out in the Midwest, the individual's name did come up. Now, there is some certainly debate and discussion here. I don't claim to know because I certainly was not there. But the report filed by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops says that there were multiple instances where this individual sexually abused minors. Okay, now, having left this diocese, 
he appears at the monastery that I have been involved. He goes through another review, another vetting process, and is accepted into the monastery as a monk. That was back many decades ago. Well, then, only coincidentally, a local news station does a story. They have done investigative reporting. It's identified that this person, a pedophile, credibly accused, is living there. I learn of the story. I'm shocked. Let's go back to the basics. Trust is based upon trustworthy behavior. I had trusted these people for decades. I had visited. I had participated in events. I was a regular communication. I knew nothing about this, nor did anyone mention it to me. Well, when I found out, I went to the person in charge, the leader. Now, that person by rank is called an abbot in a monastery, kind of like a bishop. And I asked him, is this true? And he said, yes, it is. I said, holy cow, would have been nice to know. What about his victims? And his abbot said, well, I think there's only one. I said, well, the report says plural, but one would be too many. In any event, I said, so what about the victims? And he said, well, we discussed it. And they did not bring charges. And so we feel like we owe them nothing. Well, at this, I'm shaken to the core. I speak to one of the monks that I had been particularly close and said, can you corroborate this? And he says, yes. And goes on at some lengthy discussion, basically saying the same statements that the abbot had shared with me. He concludes his comments to me with, I hope you'll keep this quiet. Well, that was a call to action and the reason for this podcast today. Institutional leadership failure needs to be transparent. It does need to be known. Whether it's the abuse of children or wandering from the beliefs of the institutional practices itself, these are failures of institutional leadership by its leaders. It is not the institution or its mission. It is the failure of its leaders. I spent days shaking my head, wondering, how did this person get into this house in the Midwest to begin with? A failure of leadership. What happened when they went to the bishop? Well, the two novices are allowed to depart, but nothing has happened to any of the other perpetrators. How did he get into a seminary? Shouldn't there have been questions, discussions? How did he get through seminary? 
shouldn't there have been many discussions? How did they get ordained? How did they become a parish priest? Again, each step along the way, a leader needs to have been engaged, involved, asking questions, vetting, testing, many different things. And when they went to the abbey that I had supported, I asked the abbot, how did this happen? And he said, oh, we called back to each of these places and spoke with the people in charge. And they said there were zero problems, nothing, never a thing. Wow. Talk about a failure of trust. So that's going to conclude this episode. I want to say thank you. I sincerely appreciate it. Institutions have a very large and bureaucratic number of layers of leaders. I think we've gotten a quick view of that here with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and their failure, certainly in the pedophilia area, but also in many, many others. Let me conclude, though, by saying there still are some good priests. There still are some good bishops, to be sure. We don't want to lose sight of that. There's hope in that. But there are many that are not true to the principles and the values of the Catholic faith. And on that, we need to make it known. We focused on problem identification. Next time, I'm going to talk about problem solving for institutional leadership. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you all for tuning in. We sincerely hope you will tune in again to the Leadership Works podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. And of course, we hope you will subscribe and be a regular listener. Again, thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Works podcast. Have a great day.